Testing, testing, I'm gay. I'm gay, I'm live and I'm gay. I'm gay, I'm live and I'm gay. I'm doing it live, doing it gay. I'm gay. This guy? <laughs> I don't know about this guy. You gay. That I, I don't know what else to tell you. You gay kid. You gotta you gotta give it up. You fucking gay. You fucking queer. <laughs> Welcome to Geraldo's Edge Game episode seven, maybe. Uh, it is the day after Christmas. Hope you spent it alone. Hope you canceled your family like I did. Hope you finally realized uh, that you can cancel your family and your friends. It's very easy. And in fact, I think it's encouraged, not just by me, but uh, cancel your family, start a new one or just, or don't, or just be alone. I think that's the better option for now until we learn more information until the data says otherwise. I did spend Christmas alone. I enjoyed it. I, I spent most of the day uh, playing Halo, playing Galo Infinite. Cause, uh, and, and I jerked off and I jerked off. Okay. And I just want to make it clear that I will be able to perform today, but I think we're in for a, a doozy. I think we're, this is going to be a challenge for me today. Because the past episodes, I've given myself a good, a good, you know, week, I think, of uh, build up. And now you're going to watch me truly flail desperately to get this cum shot. And so with that in mind, I wanted to discuss family and why you should cancel them and why they're gay. Not just my family, but why all families are gay. As you know, as you may know, I am Filipino and I am also Italian. And as you know, Asians have swag and Italians do not. It's just something we Asians got. As you can see, I'm swagged out today. This is the culmination of, I think, both 2008 Filipino and Italian Guido-type swag. I think I've, I've combined the two effectively. I think there's a lot of overlap, actually, you know, when I think about the the snapback and tattoo era of, of Asians, um, it really lined up perfectly, I think, with with like the, you know, at least for me in high school, when it, it overlapped with the Jersey, New York, Guido aesthetic in a lot of ways. Uh, they just weren't as yoked, you know, um, but rocking the beaters, the snapbacks, fucking rocking the rosaries on your neck, white G-Shock. I don't know. Maybe that was everyone. I don't know. Maybe that was just the general culture, but I know at least Filipinos and Italians were on in the same boat. All right. They came over here on the same boat. All right. Without papers, fucking wops, fucking fobs. And, uh, you might wonder how, how did my Filipino mom and my Italiano dad meet? How does that happen? How is there any attraction 
And I think you'd be surprised. I think you'd be surprised at how many similarities there are between the two cultures. Uh, one is they're both racist as fuck. That's, let's just get that out of the way. Very racist. And that's good. And, that's, and it's great. It's actually, it makes a lot of sense. Um, even though some would argue they're two of the most oppressed races of all time. And I, I didn't, that's not me saying that. That's just what, just what I've heard. Um, not my personal, I've not been oppressed that much yet. Um, <laughs> uh, I believe what happened was, and this is a story I only got to hear, uh, as a teen in, in, in a therapy session with my father and, and, and therapist supervising, facilitating, I finally got to hear at least my dad's side of how, uh, I came to be. And it turns out, uh, you know, my mom had been living in the States for like 10 years or something. She came, I'm assuming on a boat. I hope it's a boat with her, some of her siblings from the Philippines. They came to New York to make it big, like you should do, like a good immigrant. You go to New York, you don't go, that's it. You got to start in New York. And uh, they did not have papers. They came without papers. They were WAPs too. The Filipinos were WAPs. And I don't know what they did. I, you know, I don't know what she did for those 10 years. It sounds like she cleaned toilets for like rich people in like Manhattan. And I tell people that they, they, that's still a viable career path, you know, that and like nannying in, in Manhattan, it's, it's good money. Um, my mom actually told me that she was watching, I think Fox news one day and, and discovered that, uh, she had, used to she used to scrub the toilets of someone who was in Trump's cabinet. Uh I didn't get the name, but you know, you rub elbows with uh some important people, you never know. So she was doing that and my dad was um jerking off like dating like Jamaican chicks in in like Queens, New York. Um and you know, from my dad's dating history, it sounds like he doesn't like white women. He likes some he likes them thick and dark and uh, maybe not thick, but he likes them dark. He likes the dark meat. Me and my dad, Thanksgiving, just the dark meat off the turkey, please. And apparently somehow they had uh, gotten to a point in their 30s. They were in their mid 30s, almost, I say early 30s, and they had met... I don't know. I don't know who's telling the truth on this one, but it sounds like, you know, basically that my, my mom claims that her friends had made a, uh, uh, made her make a phone dating service, like profile, you know, pre Tinder. They, you know, hi, my name is, uh, Emily. That's not a real name. And I like, you know, to go bowling and I like, I, I like, racist and homophobic jokes hit me up and that's like the voicemail you get and then you know my dad i guess heard that and was like yeah i'm into that what my dad claimed is that it was actually a, a filipino dating service specifically I, I don't know if that meant that it was for filipino men to meet filipino women or if it was just for anyone who just wanted to meet filipino women, uh, or for anyone, any women to meet Filipino men. I don't know. I don't know the specifics. I wish I did because you know, that's <laughs> when you think about dating platforms today that are unique to like a certain demographic, I, I would like to think it's, it's available to me. If I want to date the Jewish girl, I gotta, I, that's, that's for me. I don't, do I have to be Jewish to be on J date? I hope not. I haven't looked into it, but I figure if I just move to New York, that's problem solved. Like I'll, I'll figure it out. But, uh, so basically my, you know, but my dad, I know now he, he's into Filipino women specifically. And he called this line and, and responded to my mom's 
message. And I don't know what that interaction could have possibly been like, but it turns out they, they, they went on a date. They went on a bad date. They went on a bad first date, but I'm sure my dad was very um, charming and, and uh, had a lot of jokes, had a lot of jokes he had written down in preparation and he had been studying his pickup artist guidebook. Um, and that's real. My dad is actually into the pickup artist. Uh, uh, he's into the game. He's, he's in the game, or at least he was. And, you know, Filipinos love, they love some good slapstick. They love, uh, they love Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean is like the ultimate comedian, uh, not Joe Coy. Joe Coy is for like the very Americanized Filipino, the, the matured modern Filipino, but at the root of it all, it's, 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 it's Mr. Bean. I know Mr. Bean isn't Filipino, but he might as well be. He's honorary Filipino comedian. Okay. Actor. Uh, and my dad is kind of like in that, that's, that's his thing. You know, he farts, pratfalls, uh, whatever, you know, whatever was funny in the, in the nineties, I guess. Uh, and my mom fell for that. And I don't know how many dates it took, but I was from what my dad expresses is that I was a happy accident. You know, it wasn't that they were trying to have a child because somehow in that 10 years, they were still uh, dirt broke and were not ready to, uh, have a child financially. And I, I would say emotionally and, and many other avenues, not prepared to have child, but running out of time hitting almost 34 at the time, I think for my mom. And so they were just like, yeah, we'll just do it and be broke. Just have a broke baby. And yeah, and so that's how I came to be. But uh, I don't know much else about what happened there. But it turns out, you know, and then my, from what I heard, my mom had not seen her family. My mom had canceled her own family. And that's part of why I think I can do it right. Like now is the time for me to do it. From what I heard from other family members is that they had not, until she met my dad and got knocked up, it seems like she had not been in contact with anyone in her family uh, essentially since ha like having moved to New York with her, like some of her siblings. And um, that sounds cool. And my mom hasn't told me about these times. And I, I want to know, cause I want to know what that, if that's a good thing, should I, can, should I do that? I want to do that. I'm interested in, in pursuing that. And then when I knock someone up in my thirties, that's when I'll, you know, reinsert myself into the family because I need support because I'll be broke because I'll be broke from doing porn <laughs> and quitting nursing. And so, yeah, I, I, that's a mysterious time that I don't know about for both of them. What do you do between like 25 and like 35 that I don't, that I need, I need guidance, but they don't, they don't want to share. And I'll probably never want to share what I do for the next 10 years of my life either. <laughs> Uh, and so anyway, so basically when she met my dad and got knocked up that she, he wanted to meet the family and they loved him. Filipinos love my dad because he's like corny ass white dude. Um, just goofy. You know, he has, he has, he doesn't look like Mr. Bean, but he's a big fan of Mr. Bean. Okay. Lux, Lux. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. <laughs> All right. All right. <sighs> I have no doors in my house, so I can't lock her away anywhere, and I don't want to lock her away. <laughs> Pussy runs the world. I don't know where I was. And oh, just that, just that my Filipino family was very entertained by my, by my white dad and, and Filipinos, I, sh I should make this clear too, is that, uh, they, they worship, um, 
they still worship white people. They still worship America. They, they've been, you know, essentially, even though we don't currently occupy, is this going to break? We don't occupy the Philippines anymore in the traditional sense. Uh, we occupy their minds. We live in Filipinos' minds rent-free, and I'm sure many other parts of the world. But in, in the Philippines, it's I, I don't think there's any trace of bitterness. I don't, I don't feel there's much bitterness there. We've truly been, uh, I, I think it's like 100% brainwashed to, to love and worship the white man. And, uh, and that's part of what I think too, with my mom's attraction to white men, it's not just my dad. She remarried and, uh, found another, like another bald white guy, like, like another Bruce Willis type, but not really, uh, but maybe not as gay as Bruce Willis. Um, that's who my stepdad is. I think of him as a, as a less gay Bruce Willis with the motorcycle. Um, but you know, it's, that plays, I think that plays in a little bit into how that, that came to be, how I came to be. But, uh, you know, white guy gets treated like celebrity. They like a, a white guy in the family. And then, uh, and then I, on my, on my Filipino side, I became, you know, a mini, a mini celebrity. Cause I'm, I, I'm white. I was white, but, uh, kind of ugly. <laughs> I was a kind of ugly baby. It's an ugly baby at the time. Ugly child. Um, but I was white, so it didn't matter. And I don't know. So, you know, that happened in New York. They moved me out to PA. I was a child when I was still an ugly child. And we lost a lot of that uh Baba da Boopy. We lost a lot of that Baba Boopy charm, you know, out in Amish country. And we didn't have other, we had more New York family come on my dad's side. Sorry, I should say my dad's side came to Pennsylvania, but a lot of my mom's side stayed in New York, Jersey. Um, and so when my parents split, when I was like two or three, um, I would, you know, obviously there was more proximity to my dad's side, his sisters and, uh, just a sister actually, but his sister had a big family of her own. So I'd spent a lot of time with those cousins and, um, I don't, I don't know what the point was, but my, my mom had primary custody of me and I only got to see my dad's side like one day every other week. So, and it's supposed to be split holidays, but I ended up being kind of, uh, I, my mom hogged me for a lot of the holidays. She would pull a lot of tricks where it was like, you know, it was my, my mom's turn or it was my dad's turn to have me for Christmas. And my mom's side spends Christmas. We used to always seemingly spend it in, uh, in Long Island, like pretty deep into Long Island, uh, about, you know, could be like three to four hour drive from, from Amish country, Pennsylvania. And we like to celebrate it mostly on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is really when it happens because we, we do the midnight. We do the midnight into Christmas Day gift unopening. We open it at midnight. Well, sometimes we go to church if we're feeling more religious. I guess that year we'll go to midnight mass and then come home and open presents. Um, that's my mom's side. And so the point being is that she would she would drive me to New York, to Long Island, uh, Christmas Eve, and then we'd spend the night. And then, you know, the next day my dad would call and be like, hey, I'm going to pick up Gabriel and for, you know, for Christmas. And my mom will be like, well, you have to come get him. And so my dad, you know, if he wanted to have me, my dad would have had to drive three, four hours one way and then three, four hours back just to have me essentially just for the day, um, back in PA. Um, so it's pretty skeezy of my mom to pull that, but I didn't spend, uh, I never spent Christmas with my dad's side, I think, until I was like 16. 
I think I was, it was like when I, my mom kicked me out and then I was living with my dad, I think was the first time I spent uh, like Christmas with them. Um, not a big deal, but I realized that Christmas with that side is, is fucking boring. <laughs> that they're white as fuck and uh, they're not, like that family, they're not like, they, they've been so, you know, whitewashed. They're not super loud Italians anymore. They're, they're not New Yorkers anymore. They're just, they're, they're just boring Pennsylvanians now. Uh, it happened very quickly. Uh, but yeah, there was that pattern of like, <clears throat> my mom always keeping me from my dad's side. Um, and somehow like over time, you know, once they kind of cooled out a little bit, we would start inviting my my dad was allowed to come to the function. My dad was allowed to come to the Filipino functions because my, my family still liked him. Like they didn't understand. And it seemed like no one really knew why they got divorced in the first place, why they split up. I, I guess my mom is very private like that and, and would not divulge. She just would probably just say like, oh, he's bad, you know, and no one has to know. But as far as everyone else knew, there was no reason for him to, I guess, to not still be part of the family. So weirdly enough, yeah, like even, I think it was only even a couple of years. I remember him being at Christmas um, when my parents were divorced, but interesting, you know, uh, and that was kind of every, there was a couple of Christmases you'd come through. Sometimes it wasn't always in New York. It'd be in like Allentown, PA. Um, so it wasn't that far out of the way. Anyway, Christmas was always nice. This is not me going to, this is not me saying I hate Christmas. I hate all that, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. They liked having the white guy around cause he just has dirty jokes and he just, he would just laugh at everything. He didn't, he doesn't understand what like Filipinos are saying, but he just knows it's like dirty. And that's like a lot of what they're, a lot of their jokes are really dirty. Um, it's just, it's just probably like, I don't speak Tagalog, but like, I know it's mostly like dick jokes. It's mostly pussy jokes. And, uh, a lot of a lot of racist jokes too. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then we play, you know, dirty dick joke games at like Christmas, like the kind where you like you'd always play the the one where like you hang either like a hot dog. We play this one where you hang a hot dog or some kind of phallic uh vegetable um like tied to like a string. And then you you wrap you hang it around your your waist and it hangs down between your legs. I'm sure everyone plays this, uh, their family gatherings. And then you, you try to get, you put, uh, you get a container of some sort, like a vase and you fill it with, uh, uh, like thumbtacks. You fill it with thumbtacks or something sharp. Uh, probably. Yeah. I don't know what else you could put, but we would use thumbtacks and you would try to get as many, uh, you would dunk your, your, your dingling into the, the vase and try to get as many thumbtacks out of it uh, into your hot dog as possible. And then you would pull them out and we would count them up and uh, you would win some kind of shitty prize. But that that game's a hit. That one, or like same thing with the dick, you would have like an eggplant hanging down and you would have to swing it back and forth and try to knock a, uh, try to hit a, a golf ball with like your pendulum swinging. You'd have to hit the golf ball on the ground and get it into a, a cup. Uh, we would play that for a good, I don't know how long. And then the classic game, which I've seen my divorced parents play a couple of times now over the years, is uh, the balloon game, which is the one where it's usually a relay race style where you get a, like eight couples, four versus four couples. And, you know, you get usually the, the woman has the balloon tied to her ass, basically, or holds the balloon up to her ass. And they run up to the table and bend over, and then the guy is supposed to run up behind her and 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 thrust into her until until the balloon pops. I think this is a popular game. I've seen this. I've seen many other families play this, but um, yeah, they always like to rope my dad into that one. And and some and for some reason, my mom always forgets what this game is when when they start bringing the balloons out. She doesn't seem to think it's she doesn't seem to remember what the nature of the game is. And then she like tries to get me to partner up with her. Cause she just sees that there's a, a game and we need to pair up. And I'm like, you know, this is the one where I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, you get the shit fucked out of you to pop a balloon. Right. You know, this is the one where you, 
get your shit rocked, right? And um, she doesn't, I don't know how to explain that to her. So I just say no. And then, and then, you know, then someone will just pull my dad and my mom together to play it. Um, very funny. Very funny to see. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's all I'm missing from Christmas. That's, that's the gist of it. And uh, um, I was happy to miss out on it the past two years, actually, because it's like, it's super stressful. And I know that's like, everyone says that about holidays and it really is though. And I, I think right now it doesn't need to, it doesn't really mean much. Plus I'm not getting the gifts anymore. I'm not a kid anymore. I'm not, our family does it till you're like in college. You still get, while you're in college, you still get presents and you're still on the list. But uh, yeah, yeah. So until I knock someone up from a Filipino dating service, uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Or a nice Jewish girl. <laughs> I'm going to bring a nice Jewish home, Jewish girl home for Christmas. I think that would be the move. <sighs> but they're not into me. I don't know. They're not into me. I'm going to go pee. I'm going to go pee. I'll be right back. You might want to watch me pee. You might want to hear me pee. I know you guys, I know someone out there would is paying, has, has paid me to pee in a cup before. Pay me quite a lot for pee. And I know you pee guys pay top dollar, but that's not what this is. That's, that's going to be a new, that's going to be a new series uh, where I tell you a very short story while I pee. Okay. I'll be right back. <laughs> I didn't wash my hands. Does anyone wash their hands anymore? Does it matter? Now that COVID's over, can we just go back to not washing our hands? <laughs> um, shit. This is going to be a long one. Half hour in. Okay. What else? What else overlaps? What else helps Filipinos and Italians relate to each other? You know, uh, I think they can both be loud if they're more traditional, if they're more uh, stereotypically Filipino or Italian. They're, can, they can be boisterous. I think both relatively stoic when it comes to negative emotions. I don't know. Maybe it's just because my Italian side is not. They're fucking wimps. I don't know. I think they're fucking babies on my dad's side. Not fucking babies like in the, not literally fucking babies, but you know, they're babies. Yeah, they're both emotionally stunted. Uh, they, they're they're both retarded. They're both retarded. Yeah. I don't know what Christmas means to uh, to my dad anymore. Ever since uh, QAnon came into his life, there was one Christmas. I think twenty. I think it was twenty eighteen. I think it was when I first. No, it was twenty seventeen. I'm pretty sure it was when I moved to Philly and I came home to my dad's for the holidays and he had gotten a new, he got new ornaments. He got new ornaments for the tree. He had gotten a big letter G for Gabe, letter J for Joe. And right in the middle was 
a giant letter Q. And I'm an only child. It was just me and my dad. And we had adopted a new child into the family Q. And I thought it was funny. At the time, I thought it was cute and funny and really nice that uh, he had found a community. He had found something to do with this time that wasn't him casually uh, browsing Omegle in the living room in the middle of the day, which is something I've seen him do. Not jerking off. He's just like on Omegle, just like looking, you know, I, I came home and he was just on the couch, laptop on, you know, open dick, not out. I, I almost would have been more like, I almost would have been more, uh, I would be less concerned. I think if his dick was out and he was like masturbating to Omegle. Cause th then I just know it's like maybe sexual in nature. He's just, you know, he has like a kind of a kink for it, but to just be alone on Omegle pre-COVID, pre-COVID, this is pre-COVID, pre-anything, just, just a normal afternoon, can go out and meet people if you want, like real people, but he was there just casually talking to people. I think he was, it didn't seem like he was even in the middle of a conversation. He was just politely browsing respectfully. So I just knew he was just lonely. And so I was happy to see he had found something else to fill his time. And who knew how much that would grow, uh, how much that would become his identity between doing that and following scratch off ticket YouTube channels and earthquake predictor YouTube channels, which happened to all be somehow, I think algorithmically kind of related in terms of the earthquake predicting ended up being in the circle of, of doomsday preppers, which is not entirely wrong. I think there's some, it's, it's valid to prepare for some sort of cataclysmic event. Sure. But uh, it tended to overlap with that whole conspiratorially minded, like, you know, here are these connections that are lining up to this certain day, basically, you know, Mayan calendar 2020, 2012, but you know, we're doing this every, we're, we're predicting this every year. We're making the same kind of doomsday preparation every fucking year. Uh, so my dad fell into that circle and he's kind of been in that, uh, since then. And it's become, uh, increasingly hard to to like to talk to him about anything other than than that, and he's also like borderline flat earther, borderline, not borderline. I, I think he is. He just is afraid to to say it. But anytime I've talked to him, he's always like questioning, which means he still thinks about it and is still very considerate of it. And so I think he, I think he's just. I think he just is. I think he just is. Um. But that's all he wants to talk about. And had I known, had I known how, how nice it was for him to only just talk about golf and like baseball and bowling and, and the latest like action movie, you know, or the, the newest superhero movie, had I known how nice that, that kind of dad was, I just, I judged him too hard for being so simple minded and, and easygoing. But, uh, now that he's found something to actually like that motivates him. It just happens to be fucking QAnon, right? Of all things. And so that's kind of, there's no reason for me to, to connect with my dad on, around the holidays. In fact, the last time we talked was last Christmas. And that was, we just texted about uh, how, <laughs> how he, uh, him and his family, I guess, uh, he was very proud that they, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They violated, uh, Pennsylvania governor's mandate to stay home or whatever for Thanksgiving or to limit the number of people. They had like 18 people or something for Thanksgiving and, 
you know, and that's fine. I mean, this was last year, so I guess it was still kind of like, how should we handle this? Uh, but my dad was pretty sure of how they wanted to handle it. And so apparently like eight people got COVID from that party or at least after that party. And then Thanksgiving or Christmas came and he told me this info and, uh, I said something snarky and he, he said something about how, uh, you can't his, I, I never heard this theory before. Like I, I'm into like fringe conspiracy stuff. Like I, I like hearing it cause I like hearing the rationale, but I never heard this theory was that, uh, that you can't get COVID unless you get the regular flu vaccine, like the regular seasonal influenza vaccination. Um, and he, he was, he was saying that that's, that activates you or predisposes you to it. I don't know if it meant I didn't know if it meant it just predisposed, it activates you or if it were, if the actual influenza vaccine was COVID. I didn't, I didn't go, I didn't get that far in the convo. I didn't, I was blown away by, by this new theory. And so I was kind of worried. I'm worried now that he's on the fringe of the fringe conspiracy theory. I don't know where he's going for that. I, I like to think he's on 4chan now. I like to think he, he casually browses 4chan um, and so do I, but I, I don't like to imagine it's my dad starting any of the, those threads, you know? Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I don't feel the need to, to see my dad for Christmas, at least right, not right now. I don't, I don't think I need to see that fit like his side of the family too, uh, his brother-in-law is an ex-cop. That's usually who we spend Christmas or Thanksgiving with, if we do. Um, and so he's, I'm not, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not saying I hate cops. I'm just saying, you know, I think they're very strongly leaning into Blue Lives Matter. Uh, I would I would, I would, would not put it past them if they, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they had a, a, be a, a Blue Lives Matter flag. On there, they're very decorative. This family, let me tell you about this family too. That the the house that I would spend uh, some holidays if I if I was with my dad is we. My aunt has the house, the house in uh in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I would say, and maybe just lit. It's maybe she's just more local, but she has the house that people go to see. In our in our little rinky dink town for her Christmas decorations. They're not tasteful. They're not, there's not a big, like, there's no, you know how a lot of these houses have like a, a very distinct like theme. Like there's something specific that they do like well or like they go over the top with, in my opinion, at least the, the ones that go viral, the ones that you see, like, you know, they have the the music is the thing, or like the synced up lights or the thing, or it's all blow-ups, or it's all uh it's all blow-up dolls. Her house is just like, it's just, it's just like a hoarder. It's just like, if you saw the result of hoarding Christmas decorations and you saw it all on the lawn, you got to see it unpacked for one month a year. That's, that's what my aunt's house was, is, is a, a Christmas hoarder. Um, and you know, she's the house you get, the, you, you get lines of people stopping outside the house just to to gaze. Um, and you know, their family is like, like she has, they had four daughters. My cousins are four daughters and they're all fucking nurses and they're all nurses and they all work at the local hospital and they all have children named Finley and, 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 and Bowden and like, Kyle, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's that, it's that bubble of, of, of culture right now. And, you know, I don't, I can't imagine what, if they had a son, what he would have turned out to be, perhaps we would have been friends, but, uh, I hung out with the girls and they, you know, they, they all went down the same route. It's really funny to see, but they, they all like moved and, uh, all those cousins, they, they like stayed in, 
in town. They lived like one of them literally like bought a house like down the street from their parents' house. I don't know. I just it like it, I guess I don't know what it's like to be in that place. And I guess if you you want to have kids and a family, you want your grandparent or your parents to be around to help. But like I cannot fathom. I cannot fathom doing that at, at my age. So. 10 years from now, who knows? Maybe that's how my dad thought. Uh, <laughs> fucking jerking off in uh, in New York. But whew, I hope not. I hope my I hope I don't change my mind. I hope I hope that's not what I become. But uh, yeah. Just, just cancel your family. And then mom's side, I don't care to see them either. They're all just, they're all just mentally ill. And I think that's the plus for the Italian side is there, there doesn't seem to be as much, uh, at least, at least, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Latent <laughs> mental illness. That might be the opposite of what I want. I check my dictionary. But you know, if there is mental illness on my dad's side, it it only is probably some sort of repressed anger, some anger issues. But they're really pretty like they're they're stable. You know, they're 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 kind of like at least this family specifically, I'm not speaking about all Italians. They're, they're good watching. They're good watching, uh, uh, American Idol. They're good watching that every week. They're good watching is, does American Idol still run? I don't fucking know, but you know, any, any show of that caliber, they will sit together as a family and watch it. They'll even TiVo it. Um, nothing against the show in particular. It's just, it's a certain type of person. I think that still watches like I think they would watch hoarders. Like, you know, they watch shows on like TLC and they, they watch fucking, uh, John and Kate plus eight, one of the best television shows of all time, only because of the, I think the long lasting implications for, for John. And it's very funny because we would watch the show. I would go to their house and they'd be watching John and Kate plus eight. And they'd be talking about John and Kate plus eight because they lived, I think somewhere in PA, I think they lived like somewhat close and they were filming somewhat close to where we lived. And <laughs> this is a dumb story, but basically my, there's a chili contest every, every winter hosted in the, uh, the, my high school's cafeteria. They'd have a chili cook-off uh, for some, we'd have fire and ice event in Lidditz, which is just like, I don't know. It, it's just a winter festival thing. And that one year, uh, one of the judges, the celebrity judge for the chili cook-off in Lidditz, PA was, was John from John and Kate plus eight, just, just John, not the family. I don't know what, the, I, I think they're divorced or something, you know, weird drama, but not the kids, not the eight. It was just, just John, <laughs> the big celebrity. Uh, and I think he also like DJed the event or he like, D, he did like a DJ set or something at the show. And that, that is what's exciting. That is what is, is exciting back home. And it's very, very funny and very great but it's hard to be around that for longer than perhaps one hour at a time per year um, to be around that family. And to be around my mom's family is just to be reminded that I am mentally ill and that I'm probably going to get worse in the future. That's, that's all that hanging out with my mom's family feels it's just it's just reminders that it's going to get worse you're going to get worse things will get worse for you
statistically. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And then, you know, if only I could get, I think the only thing that would make it worthwhile for me is if I could somehow bring together both sides of that fam of those families. If I could bring the Italians to the Filipinos and make them sit together and talk and hang out because that would be entertaining. That would be, I think they would, they would bond over their political views pretty quickly. I, I think there's a lot of overlap there. The, conservative New Yorkers hanging out with the, you know, I guess they're all New Yorkers in the end. Maybe that's why it works out because they're at the base there. They've been New Yorkers for long enough. Uh, it's in their blood. Our boys in blue. This week I thought about I thought about doing this episode just uh completely silent. I thought about just sitting here um in silence and jerking off and about halfway through I would just start crying. I thought about just sitting like spending the first 30 minutes thinking about something really sad, something that makes me really sad, trying to make myself really, really depressed. And then, uh, and then coming and then, oh, and then crying. I was going to cry. I was going to try to cry for the last like 30, 20 minutes and then come while I was crying. Uh, and I still might do that. I don't, I guess I spoiled it, but I, I might do that instead. I think that's a more accurate representation of how it feels to do these than for me to like, <laughs> for me to sexualize my own, uh, I don't know, to sexualize my life, to sexualize my life experiences live. Um, yeah, that's it. I don't have much else to say. I made it. <laughs> I made it here. Every year I get the, uh, you get the classic Christmas texts. I do. I get the classic reaching out, just thinking of you around Christmas time and around New Year's. And I, you know, I think for most people that's normal. But for me, I tend to. I, I get, I get suspicious. I get, it, it triggers my, my senses. It tingles me because it tends to feel like I am still that person that people think of when they hear about like suicide or behavioral health and when they get reminded that they should check in on their their friends and loved ones i'm on that roster i think 
only because my my suicide attempts were so uh, highly publicized amongst my my friends and family uh, almost ten years ago, uh, and not really anything has come out come about since then, as far as they know. Uh, but every year I still get, I get those texts and they, and they piss me off, you know, and I know they come from a good place, but it's, no one does a good job of hiding the fact that that's what their check-in is about. It, no one hides the fact that I think, and if they're if they're aware of it or not, I don't know. But it, it pisses me off because to me, I think it just relieves their guilt of having not che- if they had checked in in the first place. You know, I think it it's not a matter of like, hey, I'm checking in because. If there's something wrong, I want to talk to you about it and I'm making myself available to you. It's not that. It's it's more of this air of I'm checking in, I'm sending you this text so that when you if you do, if you if something happens, whatever that may be, uh at least I can f- sleep at night. <laughs> And that, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't. I don't think there's. I don't think that's wrong. I just want to call it what it is. You know, if I can relieve that that sense of guilt for you, that pressure, that that obligation that you feel like you have to check in on your what you think is uh, still a mentally ill friend or loved one in your in your life, um, then that's fine. But I don't want it to, I don't want you to feel like you're helping or contributing. I don't want you to pat yourself on the back because you thought of me around the holidays when people like to kill themselves. I don't want you to pat yourself on the back because you remembered to text me this year. Uh, hope you're well. It's not a question of are you well? It's, it's just the hope you are. Hope you're doing fine. Not, hey, are you doing well? If not, I'm here. It's not an offer of that. It's, you know, I'm not asking for this, but if you're going to reach out, just know why you're, you know, why are you doing that? Why are you texting that friend? Why are you texting that cousin? That's all. And and I'm not saying that just for me. I, I mean that about a lot. This is not a unique experience to be, that person. And some people like that. You know, if you're a fucking, if you're a fucking loser and you like that attention, if that's how you like romanticizing your mental illness or your just general well being, people like that. That's why people post about, oh, I'm so, they like posting depressed memes and anxiety memes and whatever, you know, bipolar memes publicly to their friends and family on their, on Facebook. They post about their, their mental illness. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. I really fucking mean it. Stop. That's not, that's not helping. It really isn't. It's not helping to, to overshare about your suffering and pain. Okay. To, to people that it does not matter to. Okay. I don't want it to be normalized that your aunt from Facebook sends you a fucking video about Robin Williams life. And how he still ended up killing himself. I don't, I've gotten that. I get that. I get that from people. I get that unironically. Send it to me ironically. That's funny. That's funny. Hope you don't kill yourself. Here's a video about, here's a motivational video about Robin Williams' life. How he was so happy and then he had to kill himself anyway. Thanks. That's funny. But getting it from your aunt is not funny. Getting it from a friend when you're actually suffering and they're trying to help you is not cool. 
Shout out Robin Williams, but I, I, I genuinely like cringe when I think about him because I, I get he's become this representation of like how anyone can be so seem so happy and still be so sad. I, I it's so it hurts. It hurts. It hurts to see. Okay. But that's the energy I get from uh, from people who text me around the holidays. Hope you're doing well, Gabe. Cheers. Miss you, dude. Shut up. Shut up. You can text me that. That's fine. You need that. But don't, don't, don't. If you're really genuinely worried about me killing myself, just say that. You can say that. I, I don't want you to beat around the bush. It's not... I'm more offended that you think that you should do this and 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 then not just address what your concern is, you know, that I'm still alive. You want me to text you that I'm still alive? You want you want to check in and just so you feel like you did your job? It's no one's job to keep me alive. You know, <laughs> if I die, you'll hear about it. <laughs> You'll hear about it and you'll see my porn, right? And this goes for, you know, anyone in my life. Send me Robin Williams motivational video. Do it. But uh, I'm just going to stop responding. <laughs> I'm going to stop responding. I, I have to. So if you think about, if you, if you know someone who killed themselves and then you're suddenly motivated to text the loved ones in your life, don't, don't, don't do that. It's insulting. I, I find it insulting and I don't think I'm the only person that finds it insulting to just get that on a whim because someone, you lost someone in your life. You're not supposed to suddenly just hug people and hold them a little closer because someone you were Facebook friends with killed themselves and made you think about all the people that could have ever killed themselves in your life. Don't, it's not the time to do it. It's kind of like being told to say sorry. And then you have to say sorry now. That's, that's what it feels like. It's not coming. It's not a natural, like, Oh, you wanted to apologize. It's like your mom telling you, you have to apologize to this person. You have to reach out to your suicidal cousin now. It's that time of year again. Have you checked on have you checked in on your mentally ill cousin in a while? Don't do that. Don't do it this year. Please don't. You still have time. You might have already done it for Christmas, but don't do it for New Year's. Skip New Year's this year. Stop texting your suicidal friends about their mental health. If they need you, they'll text you. <laughs> Probably going to catch a lot of flack for saying that, but like, I don't think I'm unique in that. Okay. This isn't, this isn't even like a doomer. Like it doesn't matter. I'm going to kill myself anyway. It's not that it's, it's the way you approach. It's the way you approach the people in your life that you actually care about. That's, that's what bothers me. Because you're not offering any any solution. You're not you're not offering the opportunity to actually talk. You're not offering the opportunity to explore if they're actually okay or not, or what's going well, or like you hope they're, you know, if you hope that something's going well, can you ask them about it? Or if you're concerned about them, tell them what it is. I get these texts that are just like, hey, I'm just worried about you. Like, why? What are you worried about? Tell me. You think I'm gonna you think I'm cutting my wrist right now? You think I'm I'm popping pills? What do you think? Tell me and we can talk about it, but I, I can't just tell you like, yeah, I'm good. I don't want to have to just tell you I'm good for the rest of my life. When I get asked, how are you? And I say, I'm fine. And someone says, but like, you know, how are you actually? Meaning what? Like as if I wasn't answering for on behalf of everything in my life. I don't know. Do you want to have this conversation at Christmas? Do you want to have this conversation every birthday or whatever, you know, not even birthdays anymore. I'm glad, I'm glad people in my life have realized don't even text me on my birthday. Don't text me on like, cause I don't, 
Text me any other time. Text me on any other occasion. On, on any non-occasion, message me about something. But don't come at me holidays. Don't try to don't try to reconnect with me around the holidays, around birthdays, uh, death. If there's a death in the family, don't try to connect with me then. I don't know. Don't don't text me around events. Don't text me. Don't reach out around events. Do it on normal on a random Tuesday. Okay, that means something to me. Okay, I don't want you to do that, but if you don't want me to take it the wrong way, because I know if I do that, that's how I know it's meaningful for me to do that for someone else. Okay, I'm not saying I do do that, but <laughs> that's just how I do it. Okay, so keep that in mind. If you have mentally ill people in your family, they could think like that. They could think like that, and they can feel paranoid when they get a bunch of texts around Christmas uh, and it, it adds unnecessary pressure to be okay around the holidays. So you need to shut the fuck up. And I'm talking to all of you, even those people that claim to be mentally ill and just being an advocate and an ally. And I, I do the midnight walk and I, I walk through the night so I can support suicide awareness. What the fuck is that? What the fuck is suicide awareness? <laughs> Is that different? Is that different from mental health awareness? Is that is that its own brand of behavioral health is is the result of of a life of a lifetime of mental illness, of a lifetime of suffering, not even a lifetime, maybe a, a childhood of suffering. Suicide awareness, suicide prevention awareness, walk. I don't know. It just hurts. It just hurts. It hurts to see the way it's it's Everyone's so woke and 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 hyper aware of it, and they're so they're really doing important stuff, and they're being they're being so supportive, but they're not run by anyone who like really understands the implications of of what they're trying to like promote. Um, it's moving. I think it's moving the culture in the wrong direction. I know I'm being kind of vague, but like. I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm just tired of it. So anyway, that's my message. That's my message is just stop, stop checking in on people, <laughs> especially your friends and family. <sighs> now you watch me come. <laughs> Maybe. <sighs> Next week, you'll see me. It'll be New Year's 2022. Resolutions. Who knows if I have any. Maybe it'll be to go fully into porn. Maybe it'll be to get a vasectomy so that I never have children ever. And maybe also to um, just like fully cancel my family. Maybe just fully just, you know change my number, move, leave the country, remove myself, cancel myself. Essentially. That's what I think that's at that point I'm canceling myself. I'm not canceling my family, uh, which is fine. I think it's the same. It's the same result. You know, if I were Amish, I would be leaving my community and, and, accepting to be shunned. I'd be shunning myself, I think, in that in that sense. I'd be punishing myself. That's how you want to look at it. Um, but yeah. Amish is an option too. Either Amish or Jewish. I'll I'll convert either way. I think that's what conversion therapy is all about. <laughs> I've added a new option of moving. If anyone is in Oklahoma, hit me up. I'm considering moving to Oklahoma. <laughs> Oklahoma will be the new Austin, Texas of porn.
God. Oh. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck, 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 fuck. <sighs> oh my fucking God. Fucking come. Ah. Shout out Robin Williams. Love you.